Romans chapter 4 and verses 1 through 5. Then we'll skip to verse verse 2. Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. The scripture says, What shall we then say that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now verse 18 of chapter 4, speaking again of the faith of Abraham. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. I want to ask a question today, and that is simply this. What does being justified mean? What does being justified mean? We read it two or three different times here in the verses that we just now looked at. We read it at the beginning of this. We just sang of it in the song that we just now finished. Being justified. What does being justified mean? Well, let's ask the Lord to bless us and maybe have him help us to understand Lord in heaven, we pray now that you will bless the word of God. We pray that, the, that you will direct us in our hearts and minds. We pray that you will open our hearts. We pray that you'll send the spirit of God to quicken each one here. Lord, we pray that you will allow there to be a working of your spirit in us that helps us to believe, helps us to hold, and helps us to give place to the word of God that it might be for us 
a sword, but also a shield. May it be food, but Lord, may it also be that which causes us to be weaned away from the things of this world. Lord, we pray that you will bless us then. We pray that you will undertake for us for Jesus' sake. Help me as I and I would pray, direct thought and word. And Lord, we pray that you will guide us to your feet. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The book of Romans is a book full of God's teachings on and how it comes. We call God's teaching doctrine. Now, some people find Romans hard to understand because of how it's worded. There is no doubt that this book is very weighty and requires careful consideration. However, the doctrines or the teachings that are presented when very and they serve as a firm foundation Now, the verses that we are memorizing this month are wonderful for what they teach us. Yet, it is possible that we do not really understand what they are saying. And so we miss out on some of the truths that give us confidence in our salvation, our ability to come to God, and protection from the devil discourage us with our sins. Now, consider the very first words that we memorized. Therefore, being justified by faith. The beginning thought of these verses is simple and very plain. The thought is this. If you are saved... You have been justified. Someone justified you. In other words, you did not do something, whether in word or in thought or in deed, that made you right in the sight of God. You, if you are saved, were both declared righteous and rendered righteous. By an act of God. God justified you. Now, that word justified. We need to think about that in just a couple of ways. What does that big word mean? Well, the subject of justification is extremely large. The books that could be written on it and on that doctrine could fill an ocean. But... In the simplest form, being justified is this. A guilty sinner who is filthy dirty with his sin is so cleansed that he stands before God is utterly righteous and without one sin that he has to answer for. In fact, he 
Lord Jesus' righteousness. But I think if you understand that, you have a good start on grasping the truth. Why is it important to understand this doctrine? Why do I need to understand that God has so changed my standing in his sight that I am looked at by him as one entirely without sin? Why is that important? Well, the answer is this. The biggest lie that the devil uses to cause Christians to fear and doubt whether God wants to have anything to do with them is the thought that God still sees them as filth and dis. The devil will tell you, you are still seen by God as having all of your sin still for. You're still the same as you were. Now think with me. If you can completely throw off that lie of the devil and know that God sees you as someone that he absolutely wants to have with him do you think that that would relieve to your heart well I do don't you if I knew that if I knew that God was looking at me and says this is one that I love that I cherish that I want with me forever and ever and ever if I knew that without any doubts wouldn't that Relieve me of my feeling guilty and bring. Now, our subject for the day. Our verses say that we look to God just the way we need to look in order for Him to be with us and we with Him and have Him show us all that we need without one moment's hesitation. That, if you want to capsulize what being said, we need to look in order for us to be with him, have him show us all the helps that we need without one moment's hesitation. Now, let's look at the parts of our verses and see how this truth is so sweet. I've got five things I'm going to present. And just I want us to see is the promise. The pro in the book of Job, a asked in Job 20, I've actually even read this, if you were in the machine reading schedule. How can a man be justified with God? In other words, how can a man get to that place where God sees him just the way he needs to see him without any sin and possessing the right 
that God he has himself, how can a man be in that condition with God? This morning, and other scriptures say, believe the promise of God. Huh? You might ask, what promise? The verses are a statement of fact, not a promise, you may say. Well, think with me. The context in which these verses are presented is Paul's reminding the Romans about how God dealt with Abraham and how Abraham's faith is the means by which God made him righteous and free of all the consequences. A promise the Lord Jesus now I'm going to have to come back to this on with God made a promise to Abraham a promise of the Lord Jesus. Now, we don't read that in the book of Genesis when we read those words that God speaks to Abraham, but we do read those words in the book of Galatians. What was God's promise? Well, there was more than one promise that God made to Abraham. The first and perhaps the greatest was when God spoke to Abraham while he was still an idolater in a pagan land. If you look at Genesis chapter 12, you will read the speaks of Abraham and the Lord dealing with him in chapter 12 it says now the Lord had said unto Abram get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now that last phrase is key. The Lord shows Abraham what he means. And I'll come back to that in just a second. Well, there's another promise, or that promise, is explained by Paul in another way. The very thing that we just read here, Paul explains in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, who was a heathen? Abraham was a heathen. Through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. There was explained to Abraham then, in that promise that in him would all the nations be blessed, there was an element of the gospel. The Lord Jesus, Abraham, in his belief of what God says, said this. Father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. These that would say that Abraham believed God generally, well, how many people believe God generally? Is that the saving of their souls? No, it was something that was tied to the person and the coming of the work of the Lord Jesus. Paul comments on Abraham's faith then in Romans 4. Staggered the promise of God, but was in faith giving glory to God. You might say, well, there's another promise that was involved with that. It was speaks of it, and that was the promise of a son when he and his wife were very old. Well, that's true. At any rate, that particular promise was tied to the first. 
But here's my point. I went through all that about Abraham to bring us to here. Faith in the promise of the gospel made Abraham just with God. It made him righteous. It made him without any condemnation for any sin that he ever committed. In other words, God saved him. Believed the gospel and God saved him. Now, the question comes about, he said, boy, you've been going through a lot about Abraham and things that, um, well, points of theology. How does this affect us? Well, I want you to think with me. What happens when we sin? God against him. Everybody does it. Or you say, "The soul that sinneth, it shall die." God does not forget about sin, does He? No, He doesn't. What has to happen then? If God's not going to forget about sin, what has to happen? Three things. Number one, our sin has to be punished. Sin has a penalty that has to be paid for. Crimes must be punished. Your sin must be punished. Number two, what happens is this. God cannot have sin in his presence. So our sins have to be removed from us. If you're going to dwell with God, sins have to be expiated. They have to be removed. Do you remember when John the Baptist was baptizing in the river and he had a crowd of people around him and he looks up and he sees the Lord Jesus coming to him? You remember what John the Baptist says? John chapter 1 Verse 29, he lifts up his finger and he points his, Behold, the one who is going to bear that punishment that you deserve. And that punishment that he bears and the blood that he sheds, sheds will take away your sins. If the Lord Jesus takes away your sin, how many are left? Well, then there's a third thing that has to happen. The sinner has to be changed in God's sight into someone who is as righteous as he is. Well, is that you? Is that me? Even if we were at our very best, would we ever be as righteous as God? What has to happen? Somebody else's righteousness has to be mine, and my unrighteousness has to be taken away. Now, what is God's promise to us? And it is the same one that was given to Abraham. So here we come to the point. What is God's promise that must be believed? 
God sent the Lord Jesus to pay for our sins by his death on the cross. The Lord Jesus then took our sins and lifted them off of us and took those sins to himself. In other words, he took from us our filthy clothes, our filthy rags, and he took them to himself. And he removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west, and God remembers them no more. Then the Lord Jesus' righteousness has been put on us. It's as if God says, now wait a minute, I'm going to take your rags off of you. I'm going to clothe you now with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus, like a robe. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So here is the promise of God. Here is a work that will be done for you that will make you righteous in my sight. Now, what is your responsibility? Well, it has to happen with you. Well, when the Lord Do you know that verse? For God so loved the world that he your sins away and now has given you his righteousness when you believe that the Lord says then you are made righteous you are justified there's that big word then have says here is the promise therefore being justified by faith you believe these words you believe the truth of God's promise you will be faith in what God says about Jesus. Now, I want to go to the second thought. And that's the product. What does this do? What does this do? When you are made righteous, when you are justified, what does that do? The product. Well, we see in our text it says that we have peace with God. The product is that we have peace with God. Everything, now I want you to think about this. What does it mean, peace with God? I'm going to give you a definition that may not be quite like anybody else would, but think with me. I say that the peace with God is that everything is as right as is possible to be. Everything is as right between you and God as it is possible to be. There's not one sliver of a problem between God and us. We are at perfect peace with God. By the way, if you want to see it this way, 
When we know that things cannot be better with God and God with us, there is peace in the hearts as well, isn't there? Yeah. Now, wait a minute, you might say. Wait a minute. I can remember the seven F's. You remember the seven F's? See, how can I remember? I don't even know what you're talking about. Seven F's. I can remember them. What are they? I can remember my faults, my failures, my folly, my faithlessness, my fickleness, my fruitlessness, and my. I remember all of these things about me. Now, I can still. Yes, you can remember those. You can see, tell you that the devil remembers them too. But that doesn't rule out the heart and peace with God. I'm going to warn you. I'm going to put this plainly before you. The devil will, at some point, if he hasn't done it already in your life, you are shortly to see it. The devil will trot out your sins and he will list them before God. And our old heart, old memory, are there. But what does the Lord say about our sins? When they're put under the blood of the Lord Jesus. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake. And will not remember thy sins. Here from time to time. Number 410 in our hymn book. It goes like this. What? Though the accuser roar of ills that I have done. I know them well and thousands more. Jehovah findeth none. So, justification or being righteous in the sight of God is like this. And I'm going to give you, I'm not trying to impose words upon the scripture, but I'm going to just use this as an illustration of what somewhat takes place even before the throne of God. The devil comes to the Lord and my old heart comes with him. And points from time to time to sins that I have done. But the Lord says, but this one is justified. In other words, these are his sins, these are his failures, these are all these things that he has done. And God says, he doesn't have anything to do with what you say. The devil says, but I remember them. And here they are. I can list them for you. And the Lord would respond by saying, well, I remember a lamb that was slain. I remember a perfect payment for sin. I remember an eternal covenant 
that a spotless bride will be presented. I do not remember sin. So again, our text tells us that we have peace with God. There is not a sliver of a problem with our God now because of what Jesus has done. Not because what you have done, because of what the devil would say, or our hearts would say, that is all outside of it. We have peace with God because of what Jesus has done. We believe that the Lord counts us as those with whom he has not. Third, the purpose. The reason that all of this is true is so that we may have access into the presence of God forever. Doesn't the scripture say that? By whom also we have access by faith. Well, the reason that all that we've been saying is true is so that we might have access into the presence of our God forever. Why? Because that's a promise that the Lord, the Father, made to the Lord Jesus. In fact, the Lord Jesus commented on John chapter 6, verse 37. You know this verse. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me in no wise cast out. I was reminded this last week of that incident that took place in the book of Esther. You know that book. You know that what took place there. You know that there was a point in which Esther had to come in to the king. And in coming out uh, to the king, it was stated that if the king did not hold her as she entered into his presence, well, then she was done for. In other words... If the king sees the slightest reason why she should not stand in his presence, she was set for death. Well, you know what happened. Of course, the king did hold out the scepter. I want you to understand that you and I are being prepared for the king. And we are prepared. We will not have any reason that he will be displeased. Why? Because our sins are gone. All that is left now is that which is perfectly righteous and pleasing in the sight of God. And this is all the Lord's work. Now, since that is true, how ought I to think about coming to my God? How can you come to the Lord now? If you know that he's accepting you and he has no problems with you, how can you come to the Lord? Perhaps think the answer. Well, we come boldly. Boldly. We have access through the Lord Jesus. Then, our scriptures that we're memorizing speak of point number four, which I'm calling the permanence. The permanence. Paul speaks of the grace wherein we stand. The grace wherein we stand. This is a statement that speaks of our situation. This standing is one where everything is as good as can be with God and will not change. 
we stand in this state of being accepted, of being righteous, of being pleasing, of being those that are set apart for the Lord Jesus. We are standing in this situation, and this situation does not change. No matter what the devil would say, no matter what your old heart would say, this doesn't change. Well, I know that we all would say, but wait a minute. We're still in the old man. We still have to strive against sin in our lives. That is true, but it doesn't change this situation. It doesn't change how God sees us. It doesn't change about the purpose and promise of God to the Lord Jesus. We are now just with God. Forever. Just as Christ's successful work on Calvary is forever. There's a permanence. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We stand there firmly. We stand on a rock. It cannot change. We cannot be moved. The prospect... And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Paul says that because we understand. And again, let me put this on you. Because you understand your place with God. How God sees you. How there is not now any controversy between you and God. The Lord Jesus has settled it all. Because of what has been done by God making you righteous for himself, then you can rejoice. The Lord has given you a reason. He's given you a power. And he's given you the method through which you can rejoice. Remembering the Lord Jesus. Now, you say rejoice. What does he mean? Rejoice in what? Well, two things really are in sight here. Number one, you can rejoice that your sins are gone. And all is right with God. If you know that your sins are gone and things are right with God in your life. Can you rejoice in the hope that the Lord would allow himself to be glorified in your life? Is there an answer to that? Anybody got an answer to that? Well, I'm going to answer it for you. Yes. Yes, that is right. That is true. Do you want the Lord to glorify himself in your life? Remember whose you are. Remember what he has done. Remember where you stand with God. But also, we can rejoice in the hope of that eternal day when we will see him face to face. In fact, I think that's even what was written in the hymn. Face to face in all his glory. We shall see him by and by, face to face. and all. Doesn't it sound like what we have here? And hope of the glory of God. Yes, we'll see the Lord face to face one day. And let me tell you something. For those of us that are getting a little bit older, we're starting to realize that day is not all that far off. You might say, well, it's got years. No, that's not that long. It's not that long. When you can start thinking of your life in decades, you know that um, this is not all that far. Child of God, can you rejoice that you're going to see Jesus soon? 
Can you rejoice that you're not going to have to deal with the old heart and the devil and all the things that go along with his accusations? Can you rejoice in the hope of seeing the Lord Jesus who will shower you with love that you just would say, if I was still in my flesh, I wouldn't be able to bear it. It would make me pop. Oh, it won't be that, that long. It, it won't be long. You'll grow up fast. You say, no, I won't. It's going to take forever for me to grow up. No. <laughs> no. Mom and Dad know how fast it is that kids grow up. I hate to sound cynical, but the IRS also knows how fast it is for you to grow up. Our hope is founded. Again, think, 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 think. My hope is founded on the truth that God has justified me. He has made me absolutely righteous before him. There is no stain, no spot, no wrinkle or any such thing. I am one who he loves and accepts totally that cannot change because of the Lord Jesus and all that God says is this was something that was done on your faith well I guess the absolutely necessary question that we have to ask at this point is have you ever come to the Lord Jesus have you to the Lord Jesus And confess, I'm a sinner, Lord. And I can't save myself. I can't make myself just. I can't make myself righteous. But the Lord Jesus has done a work, and I believe. I believe work right in It will be both useful in this life, and I'll see you someday. Have you ever Jesus? Why? Oh, may the Lord help us. May the Lord help us in the foundation of what He has done, not what we do. We become one bitter, angry. But if you'll rest in what the Lord Jesus has done, you'll find it's all different. It's all different. Father in heaven, it's the word of God. We pray that you will use it in our hearts. Lord, your, your will with us. Lord, we want to be those that are servants, and servants in fact. Lord, we pray that you will help us to rest in what you've done for us, who we are with you. And Lord, we pray that you'll strengthen us by faith in the work of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in the inner man as we contemplate all that we have now that we have been made justified by our God. Continue with us as we continue through thy day, we pray. Allow us thoughts that are directed by the Spirit of God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.